Coming at you from Handsome Headquarters here in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm Lee Sanger Golden, and you're listening to me talk on the internet. This is a special week that I like to commemorate um, pretty much every year, and that is the anniversary of the assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And I'm sure if you've listened to this feed, you've heard enough of my opinion on this matter. So um, in honor of the anniversary this year, I'd like to bring in some other bright, amazing voices to um, tell us what they think and believe about the Kennedy assassination. And uh, hopefully we can all learn a lot from this experience. So I have the pleasure of introducing um, the actor and comic writer, John Darden. How you doing, sir? It was a damn conspiracy, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he's an old man I just found <laughs> yelling about the Kennedy assassination. Hey, uh, hey, uh, welcome to me and welcome to you. And thanks for having me, Lee. I'm, I'm very happy to talk about JFK stuff with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I, I love this time of year because it's Thanksgiving, but then it's also a time where people start to come back out of the woodwork and get obsessed with JFK. And like I posted that this picture up of, of me uh, shaking hands with Howard Willens at like a book signing event at the Commonwealth Club. And then you and then another friend of mine from like from comedy back in the day reached out to me and we started to talk about like Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. And I'm like, yes, okay, good. Because I was always just felt like the crazy guy that was into this and I'm just glad to have friends who want to talk about it. So how did you first get into uh, the Kennedy assassination? You know, it's, I don't have like a great question answer because I've heard so many people in so many podcasts who are like this. I was in my elementary school room and like, you know, this kid next to me whispered, my dad works for so-and-so and like, this is not true. Um, but I I remember watching like the TV docs and um, and I remember first seeing one about RFK and and being sort of like, Oh, that was definitely like if he was in the if Sir Anderson was in the front and he was shot in the back of his ear, that wasn't him. And I remember getting like sort of like, oh, okay, but still thinking and not really having a firm opinion about um, JFK and having visited Dealey Plaza with my family, probably mm-hmm. to go to like um, like a football game or something. We were in Dallas and and we kind of walked through. Um, it, you know, I was like, okay, interesting, but I didn't really know much about it. And I sort of did my own um, YouTubing, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which which sounds more trivial than it, it felt. It felt very, uh, you know, like I'm actually getting information. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the, the YouTube pool has been diluted so much because this is mm-hmm. like before there's so many influencers and like vloggers and it really felt like it was a lot of news clips and documentaries and you know what I mean? Yeah, there's some amazing stuff on YouTube. You can learn a lot about the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. And I think I, and that's was, uh, that's what I got into. And I would just, you know, when I, before, before there were like data plans, when you could just like mm-hmm. burn an iPhone's data, <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I would just play like an hour long JFK video mm-hmm. on YouTube and just mm-hmm. listen to it. Um, while I was like working or walking or whatever. And, mm. uh, and yeah, I got super, <laughs> you get sucked in. You get yeah. Sucked in. 
you yeah. feel like you're part of some mystery. You know what I mean? And we're all this is such a generation and a time of people like into all this true crime stuff. And it's just like we all feel like we want to get in there and solve the mystery. So once you're sucked into one of these things, whether it's Kennedy, which is the ultimate or some other thing, Zodiac or whatever, you're in and you might escape it at some point in your life. But then some clip will play on TV and you'll, you know, you'll see the Zabruder film or something. I'm, I'm back in the case. Yeah. <laughs> Lee, you know, what's funny is I, you know, exactly what you're saying. I kind of took some time off or I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was living my life. And uh, this summer I had a moment where I made like some, some web maps of like connections. And I like got mm-hmm. back into it for a couple days, but then I backed off and did other stuff. But in the last two weeks, I just happened to slip back in. And so it kind of perfectly coincided with uh, me reaching out to you and then getting to talk to you because I kind of re-stimulated that part of my brain. And now I'm, you know, you just want to consume information because there's so much of it. And, and, you know, you sucked about Thanksgiving. I'm the guy who like, if I'm left in the car with my dad for 15 minutes, I'm, I'm like, okay, do you realize that Os- <laughs> Oswald had, like, apropos to nothing, like, mm-hmm. Oswald had a Minix spy camera. Mm-hmm. Okay, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? Like, and, James Bond had one of those. Yeah. I mean, and it's got a serial number that's not in sequence with when it was released. It's a serial number that's, like, unique to, like, government issue. Um, I know I'm just slipping right into things, but I mean, like, this is, I feel like I am the annoying guy at Thanksgiving. But <laughs> talking about his spies, <laughs> Oswald's spy camera. No, I feel like I'm the one at Thanksgiving, like, did you know that on Oswald's library card, he had checked out every single James Bond novel? Oh, yeah. Well, like my, his favorite, and this, and now it just sounds like we're Oswald fanboys, you yeah. know? But but like his his favorite TV show growing up was like My Three Lives or something like that. Mm-hmm. That yeah, was like a spy show. Right. The dude was, I mean, we're getting into it, but the, the dude was definitely like in that milieu. Like, yes. I think there's like argument about who handled him and like how high up he was and what sort of, you know, agencies, I think probably mm-hmm. plural were involved, but all of that is, is ignored in the official story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the, the 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 Warren Commission. It can't be the official story because it's not the whole story. You know, I, I think that the majority of the people on the committee did not understand that there was this whole assassination. You said milieu, but yeah, exactly. This whole environment of executive action of assassinations that was mostly sponsored by the United States government and the sort of paramilitary wing of the Central Intelligence Agency. So they were supposed to be, you know, the Warren Commission boys were supposed to be getting information from the FBI and the CIA, who both knew that the CIA was running these crack murder squads against um, uh, leaders in Latin America. But they didn't tell any of these Warren Commission staffers. Now, you could say, okay, well, then they're, so they could never possibly know that it's not just some random occurrence that Kennedy got whacked by this kid that it's part of this larger pattern of events. And to ignore that and not see those connections, you cannot know the full story. And so you could say, well, I guess if they got lied to by the FBI and the CIA, well, it's not really their fault. But you know who did know? Not those Warren Commission staffers, but Alan Dulles, who was on the commission, you can be sure he knew 
what was the fuck going on? And that Oswald was right in the middle of that milieu. And I'm sorry, I'm going no, off. No, 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 no. You're, you're perfectly, you are right to go off, sir. They need to hear it. And uh, <laughs> I mean, like, this is like not a unique uh, phrase, turn of phrase to me, but I mean, it's, it was the dullest commission, not the Warren Commission. Right. And I think the fact that we're still saying the Warren Commission just shows how powerful of sort of a manipulative move it was for LB. Yeah, yeah. For LBJ to scare Warren by telling him that it was uh, done by a Soviet like plot that would lead to World War Three and nuclear holocaust and and scared the dude into being like, you got to be a part of this to like lay blame on Oswald, which there are all these memos that are and, and sort of comments from Hoover and the recordings to LBJ days afterwards mm-hmm. saying like, this is how it went down and we got to convince the public. And the sort of DOJ memorandum, um, I think the Katzenbeck memo or something, which is like mm-hmm. saying we got to lay it at Oswald, we got to quell all these questions, um, or the and that kind of dovetails with like the CIA memo that's like coins conspiracy theorist, which is like specifically sent out to all their people saying that you need to call anyone questioning this a conspiracy theorist. Um, uh, I mean, like, here's, here's what I'll say coming out of the gate, right? Just to your point about like that the CIA was doing all this murder for hire, you know, as LBJ called it, right. Mm -hmm. Um, executive action, like the movie about the Kennedy killing, um, which is a cool movie. Um, I kind of like it too. I like how they do the the Oswald double training. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they show them like practicing shooting, like a moving target in the desert and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think like the first thing, if someone's listening and they don't actually like, they're not really super well-versed. Okay. A lot of people go, yeah. Okay. Was it the CIA? Was it the mafia? Was it the anti-Castro or pro-Castro Cubans or either one, right? Cubans, mafia, CIA, or was it the military? Right. Uh, the Birchers, the oil men. Right, right, right. And so, and, and then this is where you lose people. <laughs> but, right. but it's, I mean, I think we can back it up. Um, it was all of them. And like, that sounds crazy. That sounds crazy. But when you explain to them that like the CIA's Operation 40 mm-hmm. was like this whole Bay of Pigs thing in which the CIA is like arming anti-Castro Cubans and developing anti-Castro Cubans. In and, your childhood backyard, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana and a lot, and that's another probably reason why I was interested is like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff went on in new Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm saying is like there, the CIA is in bed with these anti-Castro Cubans the CIA, as an offshoot of Operation 40, creates this Operation Mongoose, which mm-hmm. is like to create sort of uh, violent military action covertly against Cuba. And within that, there is a program called ZR Rifle run by William Harvey, which <laughs> Bill is Bill Harvey. Oh, wild man. Bill Harvey, who is a CIA dude. And that program was an assassination program. Mm -hmm. And Bill Harvey was the liaison from the CIA's program to Johnny Roselli, who was one of the mobster. Exactly. And so you, and and the idea was like, we're going to use the mob as a cutout 
to do our assassinations for us, specifically to try and take out Castro, but to do other jobs. And, uh, and so like, I'm already, these people are all on the same side. They're, yes. they're, they're intrinsically connected in this network of the same people. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, well, you're, you're just, it's crazy. How can you, you got to pick one. It's like, oh, it's it? true. And, and it doesn't mean that they have to conspire with each other. It's not like Johnny Roselli calls Hoover and says, hey, buddy, we're going to whack the chief. You in? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. You know, and let me just call the CIA. And they're like, yes, we will do it. It's not like that. It's just when there is some, there is a clear objective that a lot of people in a lot of powerful positions see, which is we need to get rid of this Irish Catholic fuck because he's going to destroy our country. I mean, that's really what these people thought, you know, Uh, and they thought that JFK was going to ruin the country for a lot of different reasons. So even if all of these groups, they don't have to tell, they don't have to look at each other or tell each other that they all hate Kennedy, you know, they don't have to call each other. So when a situation arises, even, you know, even if it is Oswald, then look, all of the existing forensic evidence points to him as the shooter up there. But even if it was him um, and it didn't involve any of them, well, it was all still in their best interest to brush all of this shit under the rug, blame it on him, not uh, uncover any of the compromising connections between all of their networks of operations and this person who may or may not have been involved in them, but was at least stumbling around, which is I sort of think that Oswald was kind of just a wannabe who was sort of trying to get into all of this stuff. And people sort of tried him out. They let him defect. They let him join up. But I don't think he was ever very effective. And he was kind of a joke. And no one really took him seriously. And then finally, he does something. And they were like, oh, shit. We didn't think this Oswald douchebag could do this. Well, all right. Well, this is great. Let's just cover this up. I mean, it could be as simple as that. And it doesn't have to, be, it doesn't have, to have been planned beforehand to be a conspiracy. It might have well, just fallen together. And I think there was definitely other plots. And that stuff you're talking about in executive action, people out in the desert shooting at cars, I guarantee that was going on. And there's a couple plots that the Secret Service found out about. But we could talk about that later. I yeah, yeah. To say. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, that's a, that's a lot to chew on. And I, I mean, I think like your points, one, it's valid to say that there was a cover-up undeniably. And it is like a reasonable question to ask, was it because they were actively covering up their own involvement or mm-hmm. passively coming up, covering up incompetence or just the connection to potential, potentially the killer. And, um, and also the idea that Oswald's like sort of a bench warmer, which is the term that E. Howard Hunt used about himself. Mm-hmm. For the um, big event, he said. He was a bench warmer for the big event. Right. That, that is the, and I mean, now I'm just kind of derailing myself on that tangent, but might as well get into it right now uh, since we're here. Um, a lot of people would say um, if it was, you know, it was such a conspiracy, John, someone would have talked. Someone would have talked, buddy. Now, a lot of people have talked. These people are saying that just haven't gone out and looked. Because a lot of people are dead, too. Well, a lot, <laughs> I mean, of, a lot of people were murdered and, and a lot of people were died conveniently at weird times right when they were being called to testify before mm-hmm. the House Select Committee on Assassinations or the Church Committee or... Or people or, like Dorothy Kilgarren, who was like one of the few journalists, just like this gossip columnist, and no one else wants to cover this and actually try to figure out what's going on. And she ends up doing it and then, you know, she just kind of kills herself and right. that gets okay. brushed on the rug or... George DeMoren shield about to, 
testify before the house select and he just blows himself in the face with a shotgun. I mean, yeah. One thing, I mean, guy, there's so many dude, uh, Kilgarren, she had spoken to Ruby and she had like mm-hmm. been one of the few people who's speaking uh, professionally as a journalist to Ruby while he's incarcerated. And then she was, I think, uh, murdered and made to look like a barbiturate overdose. Mm-hmm. And she was a famous television personality and, and, and news writer. And she would have had the gravitas to add a little credibility to this story. And I want to double back to what I was saying, but while we're here on Ruby, Ruby did say on video, one of the videos I'm looking at YouTube is a younger person. Mm -hmm. He says, if Adelaide Stevenson was vice president, this would have never happened. Okay, this is a Ruby quote on video. He's being frog marched or whatever you call it when you're in handcuffs. And he's like, perp walked. But he's like, he's telling you, if LBJ wasn't vice president, this wouldn't have happened which I think there is a qui bono aspect to this, which is to say that when you kill the king, that there, you, you need in some way some complicity of the person who stands to benefit. Um, sure. Which it's very Macbethian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like we can get into the LBJ stuff later, but let me just say the E. Howard Hunt thing for people who don't know. Yes. E. Howard Hunt is a Watergate break-in uh, CIA person um convicted felon of that crime yeah yeah and sometimes like there's a little bit like is a cia officer is a cia agent is a cia like asset there's a lot of you know i might get the terminology wrong and and a lot of things here so i would encourage everyone to like do their own googling yeah um it's one of the most interesting people in the entire history of our country and um it's it's yeah so he's on his deathbed at least he thinks he's on his deathbed and he calls his son saint giant hunt and and he uh, he makes blues a, guitarist Saint John Hunt, who has a drug problem and all kinds of other interesting yeah. things, but or had right. He's a and nice guy. He seems like a really nice guy, and I like him a lot. I'm just saying, there's some people who'd be like, "This is a druggy son." Who's yeah, they wanted to, they want to, you know, they they want to uh, um, discredit anybody, you know. Yeah, but but like E. Howard Hunt, not only like says, "Okay, I was involved," and there was a whole like you know, this like lawsuit in the seventies where a magazine said like Hunt was in Dallas and he was involved. Mm -hmm. And like, there was an argument that like someone was doing a limited hangout where they were giving information to this magazine and it went to this whole defamation trial and like it was ruled one way. And then there was like an appeal. Essentially the final ruling was that um, they are not at fault for saying that Hunt was in Dallas potentially with the CIA involved in the JFK assassination in November 63. And so then flash forward 30 years approximately, and um, it's like a Rolling Stone cover story, a report on the recording that E. Howard Hunt gave to his son, St. John Hunt. And he says the chain of command was, and I might not get exactly right, but was LBJ to Cord Meyer Jr who was the husband of Mary Meyer, who was having an affair with Kennedy um, and who was shot in the back of the head a year after the assassination in the park. Um, And then goes to David Atlee Phillips, Mm -hmm. who is another CIA person, Cord Meyer. One of the the most illustrious of their rogues gallery. Yeah. And yeah. And like supposedly Cord Meyer Jr. is involved in Project Mockingbird, which is control of the mainstream media, mm-hmm. which if you look at the like Fake Carl Burns, well, and if you look at the Carl Bernstein, <laughs> like Rolling Stone article from the 70s, he like spells it out 
or late seventies, I think that he spells it out that the CIA has got like a stranglehold over every major TV and radio and print organization. Um, and it's like just straight up set period, full stop. Um, and so Cormier Jr. is running that um, Mockingbird. Dave Natalie Phillips, according to Antonio Vesiana, who is a guy who was shot in the face after he started talking, he's one of these anti-Castro Cuban in this sort of world. Uh, he says that uh, uh, Maurice Bishop um, mm. was a pseudonym for Oswald's handler. And that he was said, David Atlee Phillips, right? And that was David Atlee Phillips. So what I'm saying is like, as I'm reading and listening to this E. Howard Hunt deathbed confession, I'm collating these things and going like, oh, that kind of checks out. It it's sort like, of makes sense. But you have to keep in mind that, you know, we're talking about do we trust him, do we not? Um, it's one of those things, his whole business is counterintelligence. You know, he's a spy. Right. So who knows? You know, he might just be trying to help his son get a book deal on his deathbed. But I don't know. It, he was there, you know? Right. He was right in the middle of all this shit. Him and Sturgis, they all just happened to be there in Cuba while all this shit was going down. And they all just, you know, uh, happened to be at the fucking Watergate when all that shit went down. And when people say, oh, there's no connection between the, the, the two. Oh, there's a big connection. Right. And right. it might have to do with those 18 and a half minutes on the Watergate tape. But I'm getting us derailed. Well, yeah, so, no, I, I want to double back to that, but I just, uh, let me close out yeah. this loop just so we can move on to other stuff. Yes. Okay. So on down this list that ER Dunn supposedly says, the rest are all like CIA people. They includes Bill Harvey, the guy who's running <laughs> ZR Rifle, the, the liaison between the agency's sort of Cuban attack program and the mafia's hitmen. And so to me, I'm like, oh, another coalition. Now then mm-hmm. there's- He's the a guy- huge character. I mean, he was a he was a wild drunk. I think he had like a- he had like a pearl handle revolver. I mean, he was really like when he met JFK, apparently JFK was like, so you're our uh, James Bond, huh? <laughs> anyway, the next, the next person you were, you were about to. No, that's yeah. a good JFK. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, well, so you mentioned Frank Sturgis and, and then David Morales, um, mm-hmm. one of whom uh, could have been the dark complected man on the sixth floor um, that was seen by witnesses with a, a, uh, a white person and a darker complected person on the sixth floor, two people, um, not Oswald. It could have been Oswald. I'm saying like, it's not one person as described. I think they were actually on the knoll. Oh, well, they could be both. I know there's one specifically yeah. th- that is on, that it's in the book depository, but mm-hmm. there very well uh, could have been like a similar description of people on the okay. knoll. Um, and then finally, uh, uh, and again, I could be um, forgetting some people here, but um, then they say Corsican hitman. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what was so, it? Lucien Sarti or something like that? Yeah, so there's Lucien Sarti, who, along with two other names that I don't recall, were implicated by this guy, Christian da- David, or mm-hmm. David, who was a. a was Cors- men who killed Kennedy, right? Yeah, this was like one men who killed Kennedy. Specifically, they like tracked down somebody who flipped in jail who implicated Mm -hmm. these three Corsican hitmen who were paid in heroin. And now some of this does, and again, it's some, it collates a little. Um, And of course there's also like this, like Michael Mertz slash Jean Swetra, um, which is another sort of European hitman, which again, Mm -hmm. you know, Lucien Sarté, Jean, yeah. 
Oh, Jean, yeah, Jean Sutre. It's like, I think it's like the French word for like breathe or something, or maybe that's souffle. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there, there was that guy too. You're right. And those are like, uh, supposedly those are like potentially two different assassins, but there's an argument that like one of them could have been using the other's alias, but it, like one of these dudes is like on documentation, like being deported like mm-hmm. shortly after the Kennedy assassination, mm-hmm. uh, not Lucian, but one of the Mertz or Swetra. And um, yeah. like, you know, here's the thing. I, I think that like he probably, and, and, and to closing the loop, uh, E. Howard Hunt calls it the big event, mm-hmm. which would be like a code name, like a, an intelligence yeah. op would have. He says he was a bench warmer. He didn't confirm if he was a person who, he was often uh, ascribed to be one of the three tramps. And no, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think it was probably Chauncey Holt, um, the tramp. That was, so you think that the tramps were, they were placed in there for, for some reason. I've listened and watched to a lot of Chauncey Holt information. And sure. I think, I think it's, I think he makes an extremely uh, credible, he weaves an extremely credible narrative. Okay. And he actually talks about like, um, you know, procuring and handing off the fake secret service credentials that are used um, by people in Dealey Plaza, ostensibly by the people involved in this conspiracy, because a lot of people who ran up the grassy knoll immediately were encountered by a guy with secret service credentials. And the official story is there were no secret service men. There's no record of anybody on foot. On foot. Again, all this stuff, if if you're you're listening (laughs) and you're trying to put this together, it should, uh, at the very, very least, uh, encourage you to do your own research because these exactly. glaring holes are very – like to me, it becomes a mountain of evidence that like overwhelms a lot of, of the official quote story. Um, so that's the Howard Hunt thing, and I think that he did – I think he did protect people. Like if he was um, – and I, I want to bounce over then if it's dealer's choice to this, to this, to this other, <laughs> like, okay. To this other, like big, um, to me, very damning bit of evidence. Um, okay. and that is to say that it's possible that E. Howard Hunt is protecting Nixon because he worked for Nixon. Right. Yep. And it's possible he's protecting Hoover maybe out of some, you know, misplaced affection or being contemporaries. I don't know. Well, you have to protect Hoover. That's the thing is <laughs> in order, well, in order for Hunt to survive, he has to protect Nixon because when Hunt, when Hunt was getting involved in all of this shit, it was down in, it was, you know, it was down during the, the, the Eisenhower administration when uh, Nixon was VP and was basically handling all of this shit. Ike was golfing. He wasn't involved in mongoose or any of that stuff um, or the stuff that happened beforehand. Um, right. Nixon knew all about that. And who is, Bob and, knew he was involved there too. And, and so, man, there's so many, uh, it's hard to jump around, but look, um, yeah. who was a confidential informant to Richard Nixon way before the Kennedy assassination? A confidential what? Informant. So, so, uh, <laughs> well, I'll just, I'll just, instead of Socratically ask, I will just tell, yeah, who, who um, is this? uh, Jack Ruby. So, oh right. So Jack, rather Jack Rubenstein, Jack Ruby, 
mm-hmm. has like a direct connection in a documentation of being like some I don't know how a, a congressperson has like an informant or is a whatever, but they talks to a Jewish mobster for some reason. <laughs> but like, but yeah, look, Nixon's got this direct connect, and then there's yeah. also the question of like who handpicked Nixon to become a political uh, politician, and yeah. the, and the answer to that is uh, the 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 father of a president and the grandfather of a president. Um, that is to say, that's Prescott Bush, the father right. of George H. W. and W. Bush, but. Before well, no one wanted to run for that. No one wanted to run for that seat. They thought Nixon was going to lose. So, um, but he had that <laughs> nice little, nice little, uh, uh, nice little slush fund. But just fi- just to finish out the previous thought. So, in order for Hughes to stay alive, he's got to keep Nixon alive and out of trouble. And of course, whomever the president is, Nixon, JFK, they were LBJ. They were all compromised by by Hoover. So you got to protect Hoover too. Right. So as long as Hoover's alive, all of those guys have to protect Hoover. And I'm and I'm also thinking like in uh, E. Howard Hunt's deathbed confession, even though these guys yeah. are dead, I'm thinking maybe he's still protecting Nixon, or he's still he's not bringing up he's bringing up LBJ because LBJ was a Democrat, mm-hmm. but he's not bringing up Nixon or Bush. Who was in Lan- Dallas that day? Or Lansdale and Nixon and Bush were uh, both. Um, and well, Bush doesn't remember where he was. Right. Bull. And, and I want to talk about Bush a lot, but here's yeah. my transition to maybe yes. getting there. Okay. Which is, and, and I mean, anyone who's listening, thank you. Uh, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're like the drunk person at, at Thanksgiving who can't get away from me, but um, <laughs> we trapped you. Yeah. But um, uh, Madeline Duncan Brown, I'm sure you're familiar with the story. And um, Madeline Duncan Brown is a mistress to LBJ. She bore uh, an, illegitimate son to lbj it's like what i'm repeating illegitimate like i'm like some uh you know i don't know super uptight person but preacher a, or something yeah she had a kid she had a kid with lbj and uh-huh. her story and it's all on youtube and you can you can like watch look you can watch people and judge your own uh judge your own uh decision if you think they're telling the truth or if they seem credible yeah. and and I agree. There are probably some people that are disinformation. There are probably some people that are liars, and there are probably some things that we'll never be able to know. But right. and then first, sometimes you're like, I believe you, but I don't believe what you believe because I think you believe something else, and that's sort of hard for people to figure out. And why people get mad at these people when they think that they're not telling the truth. Well, and there's the thing where if you believe one person as uh, if you believe someone's statement about the Kennedy assassination, then you almost have to like. Uh, defend everything they've ever said because then yeah. someone could be like well you know uh fletcher proudy said this and this which i want to talk about later because oh, yeah. i think fletcher proudy is like su- i think he's a, i think he's huge um yeah. but I, I can't defend everything he's ever said um but anyway madeline duncan brown is at a party in dallas the night before the assassination Mm-hmm. So the assassination is the 22nd, right, of uh, November. So this is the night of the 21st of November, 63. And it's at Clint Murchison's house, who is like at the time, one of the richest people in Dallas. And it's um, it's a party that has a very famous guest list. There is LBJ, the vice president. There is J. Edgar Hoover, the uh, the FBI director. He was performing that night. <laughs> well, and, and in drag. Well, and they claim, and there's a claim that like 
you know, he couldn't have made it. Neither of those could have made it. Mm-hmm. Like, but like, I mean, in men who killed Kennedy, there are corroborating witnesses, like the guy who drove Hoover from the airport to the party. Um, and also uh, at this party, John J. McCloy, the guy mm-hmm. who uh, goes on to be on the Warren Commission, uh, Chase Manhattan Bank uh, president. And I listened to your podcast and learned a lot more about him, about other fucked up shit he did uh, convincing the, uh, the military not to bomb the the Holocaust German lines and all kinds all right, of other yeah internment stuff um i learned i learned that from you i learned by watching you lee but um (laughs) but like okay also at this meeting are like other titans of industry um Mm -hmm. as well as uh i believe the one of the cabals so this is like the mayor of cabal was the mayor of dallas yeah and then his brother was one of the three cia guys who who jfk fired the year before Mm -hmm. um along with alan dulles um, so there's no confirmation in her story that George HW Bush is there, but there is a, I would say there's a decent shot given this meeting of people mm-hmm. of oil people, um, and industry people that he may have been there too. But at the very least you have LBJ, Jagger Hoover, McCloy, who goes on to be on the Warren commission and Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. So what happens? They go behind closed doors and have a guy's meeting at the end of the night, the cigar time. Yeah. And who, or sorry, LBJ comes out of the meeting. He goes up to his mistress, Madeline Duncan Brown and says, you know, after tomorrow, those goddamn Kennedys will never mess with me again. All right. There's, she tells a couple of versions of this where mm-hmm. he's like the Irish mafia or those, <laughs> She has slight variations in the wording, but essentially he comes out angry and he whispers to her mm-hmm. like, after tomorrow, the Kennedys will never embarrass me again. Um, which is to me hugely damning that that meeting ratified the events of the next day. And that involved LBJ, Nixon, and Hoover, and McCloy who goes on to be in the commission. Now you'd say, okay, maybe she's not telling the truth. That's one night. It's uh, It could be interpreted different ways. That New Year's, she says she was at a ball with LBJ, which again, now he's president and he's hanging out with his mistress at a ball. I don't know. Uh, I'm oh, sure when you're you, president, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess like she says like what happened according to her, right? Yeah. She says what happened with the assassination or with Kennedy and or who did it or whatever. And, and apparently LBJ says to her, like it was the goddamn CIA and the oil boys. Something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Now, this is hearsay. This is, this, you know, but th- again, I'm trying to give like, to me, and it's just me, I think she sounds like she's telling the truth. And I don't know what she's gaining from this. I mean, like she went on a hard copy or something, but I don't, I don't think <laughs> that's where the big bucks are getting hard copy airtime. <laughs> I don't think she's making a lot of money. I mean, like. If anything, like she might have jeopardized the money that LBJ had been sending to her um, for her son by like, even though LBJ is dead by this time, but by it speaking out. might be some out. little trust fund set up or something. I mean, yeah. here, here's what I would say about Johnson. And, you know, Johnson's an easy, not an easy, but he's a natural 
suspects to be in the the, the cabal <laughs> yeah. of of uh, of planners or um, beneficiaries of the plot to whack the chief. Um, and in fact, there was a hit Broadway play, McBird, that was like a, a, a like a fake Macbeth sort of mm-hmm. put on about the whole thing. And um, you know, when you look at something like this, well, you know, you got to look at who benefits from the crime, right? But I would say to support, but also go against what you're saying, um, to support <laughs> to support the 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 story of the New Year's party. You know, I don't know what the fuck he was saying to his mistress, even if she was his mistress. And I don't know if I would believe her or him. But I do know that he's on tape saying, well, I was not necessarily convinced that there were not international connections. So he went, he's on tape. I think he's talking to Cronkite or something saying, hey, you know, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't believe the official story. So whatever she said, I, I do think that, yeah, he thinks that there was somebody, right? Um, and then again, to just go to the tapes because I don't know who, you know, what was said that night, but there are transcripts uh, of uh, what are called the Kennedy tapes. And, um, you know, um, they document what actually was said that like that day. And so there are transcripts of what was said on air force one. And you can listen in real time and read the transcripts in real time, LBJ's reaction to this. And LBJ is freaked the fuck out. And I don't know too much about LBJ and whether he was a man of sort of political theatrics or someone who was capable of pulling off something like this. But by all accounts, including those transcripts and the what people have said of his behavior, the dude was fucking scared shitless. So, you know, I think he might have gotten... Here's a guy who is very powerful in the Senate uh, and ha- can move a lot of mountains in-, in terms of legislation. But I think he, he might realize that there are things bigger than the United States at play uh, when it comes to matters of power. So um, I think that whatever LBJ's involvement was, it was because he was deeply, deeply afraid <laughs> of well, somebody yeah. or something. And there's somebody- he was really afraid that he was going to get killed. That, that, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, no, but that no, was the last okay. thing I was going to say. He is very freaked out about getting shot. Yeah, and there's and I think there's some like late a report of like LBJ actually crying on Air Force One um, by a pilot or, or someone, and he also is quoted as saying like like in one of the recordings on the phone calls with uh, I think Hoover like were they shooting at me like any shots at me or whatever mm-hmm. look. Um, no doubt, right? He was he was having an issue, and he's like very mentally unstable. If you read um, the Philip Nelson book, um, God, I forget the name, but like there are a lot. Like he's an incredible character, um, but there but there's this huge argument before the motorcade, okay, mm-hmm. where he's trying to get Yarborough to switch Senator with, Ralph or uh, Congressman Ralph Yarborough, right? Yeah, to switch seats. So Yarborough ends up being in the car with uh, LBJ and LBJ like, doesn't like Yarborough and mm-hmm. LBJ is like in alliance with the governor Connolly. And who's and L- in the lead car with Kennedy. Yeah. So you see where I'm getting at. So LBJ is fighting uh, to get them switched, to get his friend out of the line of fire and his friend does get shot and to get Yarborough out there. And also like supposedly according to, I think Yarborough, maybe one of the secret service guys, like LBJ is like ducking, like early like he's okay. 
I, I'm just, these are, these are, these are a constellation of circumstantial things. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we could get into the secret service for days and days too. I mean, what the right. fuck were those boys doing? Jesus. Well, and the stand, I, I, the stand down the order stand down, like uh, em- Emery, whatever his name is, who is called the stand down order. Um, interestingly, like, and Greer slowing down the driver, um, oldest, and, oldest member of the detail, I think. Well, and I just, I just heard something new that like the guy who was supposed to be the driver died of like a heart attack at Camp David, like shortly before the trip, which to me wow. is like an interesting new suspicion stuff of uh, Vince Palmera, the sort of secret service, uh, premier expert. Yeah. He was saying that, that he had researched and discovered that, um, but like, yeah, so the Secret Service didn't do all the shit they were supposed to do. And uh, The Inheritance is a book. Have you heard about this? Have you read about this at all? Mm, no, I don't think so. Um, again, my I got to get my research top of mind. But um, uh, The Inheritance is a book that came out maybe in the last three years. Mm-hmm. And supposedly the story is that it's about a guy who acquired Evelyn Lincoln, uh, JFK's personal secretary, personal secretary yeah. her uh, documentation about the assassination. And mm. supposedly she was holding it for RFK. And um, who was conducting a massive, massive cover up in the days, in the hours, in minutes after the assassination? What he was trying to cover up, I don't know, but he had to get into the White House quickly and start basically securing the legacy of the Kennedys because there was a lot of dirty shit they were up to that they had to clean up because he knew, he knew that LBJ was barreling back to Washington and he had to control basically the crime scene before the big dog came back into town. And he didn't, I mean, he he was effectively neutered. I mean, he must have done the best he could. Yeah. He was Um, still attorney general, but the president's the fucking president. And when it ain't in your brother's cold six feet under. (laughs) Right. Well, and and so I guess what I'm saying is, uh, and I wish I could have finished this book, the inheritance, but like, it's very, very interesting. I recommend it. It's sort of written a little bit like with a little bit of a sparkly, uh, you know, uh, conversations that could never have been heard by anybody, like sort of dramatized a little bit. Okay. That's fine. But, but I do like, I do think that his story rings true. And, uh, because like he was pursued by multiple intelligence agencies abroad and, and in, in Mm. domestically for this information. And there Mm. were like all these court cases to try and like get these documents that were left to him by Evelyn Lincoln. And, um, but one element that just relates to LBJ and the Secret Service to our conversation mm-hmm. is that um, Kennedy, suppose, like, according to his story, um, there's this wristwatch that Kennedy was wearing the day of the assassination and that that was a part of these things. Mm-hmm. And that wristwatch was so crucial um, in proving complicity um, and I'll see if I can not totally fuck this up, but, um, essentially the story was that LBJ had ordered the secret service to go to Kennedy and ask him for all of his metal, uh, you know, like cross they would carry around his neck or his, mm-hmm. uh, watch and his cufflinks and stuff. Cause they were doing like random radiation tests um, to ch- test for radioactivity and, and uh, items. 
But the story is that um, LBJ asked the Secret Service to take his stuff. And part of that was that they didn't want any metal on him if while they were shooting at him to hmm. like protect him or ricochet or something. And okay. I, I know it starts to get into this. Like I'm, I'm questioning myself. Look, I'm getting a little lost, <laughs> but this well, is interesting. Well, I mean, like, here's the thing. I would encourage people and yourself to look into this book, the inheritance, but mm-hmm. essentially like the fact that Kennedy wore this other watch that mm-hmm. he had like never worn publicly mm-hmm. for the last couple of years of his presidency was evidence that like this thing, this had happened and the watch itself had evidence of splatter or of bullet fragments. Okay. And like, essentially it was like a first gen bit of evidence mm-hmm. that was in these effects. Yeah. And it well, was they wiped a bunch of evidence right out of the car. They were morons or covering something up. They threw water on the car. The second he got out of Parkland or brought him to Parkland and then they, they ruined the crime scene. They ruined. Well, and so, and according to some witnesses, there was a clear through and through, uh, outside to inside bullet hole on the front windshield. Yes, which yes. is that is what, excuse me, that is what happened when Kennedy and I'm starting to gesture and I realize I'm on a podcast, but that's what happens when Jen, Kennedy takes his two hands and holds them up to his neck, mm-hmm. which is he is shot from the front in the neck. And they tried to make a bullet hole that was shot about like a foot down in his back. Come out his neck. Come out of his neck in an illogical angle. Because if he's being shot from the sixth floor, there's no way a bullet can go from like the middle top of his back to up through his neck. Because it's supposed to be going downwards. It can't then suddenly go upwards. And then after doing that crazy thing, then go into Connolly three different ways. Um which is the magic bullet, which is, you know, relatively unscathed and, and doesn't seem to have as much of it uh, chipped away as there is metal left in Connolly. There's all mm-hmm. these fragments of bullets left in Connolly, and this bullet has got like almost, it's full, almost fully intact. The bullet that supposedly did all this magic trajectory. And that is like a core, I would say that's like, that's the core thing about this this conspiracy just on the like actual murder forensics well everyone wants to clinch it on the shots like everyone just wants to be like look it can't one guy couldn't have done the shooting it's a conspiracy let's all go home like everybody kind of wants the shooting to be the the pennsylvania of the 2020 election you you know what i mean yeah just the the thing where it's like let's just move on it's done because this is this is it right um and uh, in terms of the bullet hole through the glass, I, you know, I've heard um, from Jim Diaginio, who is one of the premier yeah. experts, I would say, on the conspiracy, uh, um, you know, it was a conspiracy side of things. Um, believe what he says or not, he has done his fucking research. And, um, you know, I, he laid out a credible story about how the glass was replaced. And there is some there is some uh, potentially or uh, alleged witness that saw the glass getting um, replaced that has some sort of credibility or something. So right. there was weird shit right. going on with the car. There is a woman whose name escapes me right now. Oh, and I'm, I'm really upset with myself, but you should go to Citizens for Truth and the Kennedy assassination to find this. And she is the, the woman who is like the expert on the car. 
Mm-hmm. And she is just the expert on X100. And that's the cool thing about the Kennedy's sort of community is there's kind of people that just go, oh, I'm the expert on this. And, you know, they go off and they, they learn everything about it. But in terms of this whole thing with the magic bullet, um, yeah, I do think it, the the entrance wound in the back and the exit wound through the neck um, is 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 a little bizarre. Um, and to say the least, you're being, gen- uh, you're being generous. I'm being right generous. Now. I mean, it, well, we know that Jerry, uh, Gerald, uh, Ford on the commission, he said he moved the wounds for clarity. I mean, what the right. fuck does that mean? So the diagrams they presented were, were, you know, um, changed to not reflect reality right there. But in terms of the bullet being able to leave Kennedy and, um, hit Connolly. Uh, that to me is, well, that's what bullets are designed to do because of like, you know, certain military conventions and international law, you can't have a bullet just explode inside of you. We have the, the, the bullets are jacketed so that they can, you know, exit, enter somebody and exit out, uh, you know, kind of just like wars a game. And once you're hit, you're hit. Okay. I'm hit, but I'm not going to die. Um, so if you got two guys, you know, lined up like, uh, uh Kennedy and, and Connolly are, and you know, you shoot one of them with the high powered rifle, uh, yeah, it's going to go through both of them and, and possibly hit them in multiple places. And, and also bullets can bounce around. So really, the, you know, the magic bullet would be a bullet that didn't exit Kennedy and didn't hit anybody else, that, that didn't go through the windshield. So, I, you know, I think that uh, the idea of a magic bullet, um, look, I don't want to be the one that believes that Arlen Specter is that Arlen Specter's right about anything, let alone this. But I don't think that the mechanics of the shooting itself uh, uh, immediately disqualify a lone gunman. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, you're not wrong that bullets can go through people. I think mm-hmm. the, the counter argument would be that, like, the, the angles with which it bounces around yeah. um, Connolly in, in multiple places. But, like, I, you, you made the larger point, right, which is that, a bullet that goes from the sixth floor of this Dallas school book depository and hits mm-hmm. someone in like essentially like the middle of the back or a little bit to the right, or I forget what it is. It's like third vertebrae down or something. Right. Yeah. Um, there's no way that go that comes from the sixth floor down to street level and then bounces up into someone through someone's neck. Now they, they would say like it, maybe it hit his spinal cord and bounced out, but it's just, I'm, I'm just, I think that, None of that passes the so-called, you know, the smell test, if the you smell will. Smell test, right? And and look to bring in Ford. I, I'm I'm glad you did. I'm so glad you did. <laughs> Ford because, is such a he's at best a moron, and at worst part of one of the hugest cover-ups in history. Yeah, I'd say he's two part of, the, of them actually. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's definitely, and that does tie into like, did Watergate involve uh, stealing pictures that uh, of certain people in Dealey Plaza, or did Watergate involve like? What kind of information was in the DNC safe? I don't know. I don't know. But backing up again, my big theory about the assassination, and it's not, it's, it's not anything new per se, but it's that you don't understand the assassination unless you understand that the next successive presidents were all involved. <laughs> because if people say, how could they keep a cover up? So I say the night before the assassination, Nixon and LBJ, the two people most likely to benefit from this assassination yes. are, are there to ratify its occurrence. And then 
the person who could cover it up best. Right. Well, and then Ford, (laughs) right. And then Ford, the guy who is the third president in that alignment after LBJ succeeds JFK, Nixon succeeds LBJ. Ford is brought in when Spiro Agnew is kicked out as the right back- for his own <laughs> Spiro Agnew, the-, the vice president was, was doing, was had his own uh, controversy, his own scandal. Right. Check out Rachel Maddow's bag man. And, <laughs> and, but like they bring in Ford and he ascends. And so suddenly he's the cleanup man, you know, he's like, I'll move the wound. I'll pardon Nixon. You know, this is exactly, I think, and I think this is intuitive. And I think that's exactly right. And then that brings us, thank you, Lee, for the segue, <laughs> to who is appointed CIA director. George H.W. Um, Bush. Right. So Yeah, 1976, right? Right, which is still Ford, I believe. And if maybe, yeah, it predates. That was the end of, I, th- I think it was Ford that appointed. I mean, it wasn't Carter. Right, right. So. But he Carter probably appointed the planter's peanut man or something. <laughs> I think I think he stayed on for Carter. And yes, I think, and I think that's. But I think Ford appointed him. And so look, here's here's where I wanted to connect this. Okay. Yes. Because what I'm saying is, like, you have like an uninterrupted line of succession of people covering up this activity, and the only blip is Carter, and then under Reagan, you have George H. W. Bush as the VP. And then Reagan, they take a shot out of him at him a year in. So, and the 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 dude who's like supposedly shooting is like personal friends of the Bush family. But I'm I'm backing up here, okay? Bush, George H. W. Bush, when I talk about the confluence of people who would be involved in the Kennedy assassination, we're talking about disaffected CIA people involved in the Bay of Pigs. Who were pissed at Kennedy because he was going to splinter the agency. Because he was going to – Right. Because the agency tricked him into having to escalate the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, they, when, they wanted to trick him into bringing, bringing in air support because they knew if Nixon had, had been in, then it would have been a cakewalk. They would have fucking you know, paved, the, paved the island into a parking lot under so, Nixon. I mean we saw what he did to Vietnam. But you, you take the – Northeastern establishment, i.e. HW, NW, Yale, Skull and Bones, Secret Society, and Brown Brothers, Harriman, all these guys. So you take the CIA industry, the Northeastern establishment, Texas oil, which is what Bush is ostensibly doing as his cover job. Zapata Industries. So you brought me right here, which is... Bush was appointed to the CIA supposedly with no CIA connections. And it was a little bit of like a hubbub because they're like, mm-hmm. why are you appointing this dude who doesn't have any CIA connections? And it was because he was a covert CIA asset. Which, yeah, he couldn't put it on his LinkedIn, but they were using <laughs> his business as cover to, be, to run fucking black ops out of the Caribbean. Yes. And, and, and once you get into like Bush is a covert CIA asset operative who knows – First, he becomes way cooler than you thought he was because he just seemed like a dorky grandpa. But when you find out he's a secret agent mastermind, whoa. He, he gets way cooler. <laughs> but then, to me, potentially, he becomes more evil. Um, yes. Now, this is like someone who I went with my family to visit when he was like running for president and came through Baton Rouge in the airport a couple of days oh before, before Clinton won in 91 or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Or 92. Two, yeah. yeah, in 92. Yeah. 
Um, he is documented uh, via a Hoover memo, uh, like a memo within a week after the JFK assassination mm-hmm. is issued by Hoover. And it says that a day after the assassination, um, a big guy in the Defense Intelligence Agency and George Bush of, of the, the CIA of the CIA are uh, uh, consulted with because they are worried that anti-Castro Cubans might try to launch some sort of violence after this assassination. And the and so this is broken by Joseph McBride right as Bush is running for president in 88. Mm-hmm. Nothing really happens. McBride finds the document a couple years prior just in a bunch of like released uh, or do- documents about the assassination. They're sitting in a, a library and – um, and there's a movie called Dark Legacy, which you know, it, it, uh, you know, it has its own, has its own issues. It's a little bit of a. a <laughs> you should, a I mean, watch it, folks. I mean, it's, just, it's a homemade affair, but yes, I've tried Keep to Wikipedia handy or something. You know, <laughs> try to find your own details. But I yeah. think I think that the evidence that all these people around Bush are CIA, that all these people who are involved in the making of Zapata Oil are CIA. The mm-hmm. evidence that you're saying that Bush's Zapata oil is being used as a cover uh, throughout the Caribbean and in South in, in the Gulf of Mexico uh, as like CIA operating um, Ford operating base is only further evidenced by the fact that the code name for the Bay of Pigs is Operation, Operation Zapata. Zapata. And supposedly there are, you know, ships there that are called the Barbara J and the Houston and and abs almost spilled the beans from what i heard i don't know if this was russ baker who said this or if it's in dark what's the what's the you were talking about dark legacy dark legacy yeah so there was something where barbara babs bush was being interviewed and she said something about mr zapata and zapata and almost just like blew the lid on the whole conspiracy i've heard that too because here's the thing i want this all to be true and i think that it absolutely is true i mean this is not like this is not conspiracy theory. This is conspiracy fact. Like this is what we were up to. This is what we were doing. The question is like, is, is this, is the assassination of JFK like a specific op that they were pulling or was it just something that was just sort of like caused by this whole environment, this, this ecosystem of assassination and that they were like, well, this is great. And let's clean this up. Um, And, you know, we keep, we keep coming back over here. And I think that there were other plots. And I think that like people were sort of ready to cover shit up because there is evidence of other plots. So, you know, there's the, and I think I've talked about this earlier, but there was the, um, there was the Miami plot. There was the Chicago plot and, you know, um, Maybe even there, something in Tampa, I believe. I don't yeah. know that one as much. Yeah, there was basically evidence of about three plots, some of which uh, sort of corresponded to the, you could say, template of Oswald. And there's this sort of anti-Oswald in Chicago who is, he's a disaffected uh, former soldier, um, but he's super right-wing. And he gets a job by the president's motorcade. Um, Thomas, and, Thomas and, Arthur Valet. 
Thomas Arthur Valley. So it's like, were, was there just, was there multiple plots going on? And it was like, all right, well, let's set, let's put our chips in as many different uh, bets as we can and see which one works out. Were there competing plots? The the John Bircher guys, Joseph's Miltier, they're, they're trying to whack the the chief and, and also the mob. They're like, we got to get this bastard. He, he, you know, he lost, uh, he lost uh, Cuba. That Havana was the fucking Las Vegas of the Caribbean. These guys all could have been doing it. And that's why I think that there is so much evidence of weird shit because like i think there might have been and this would be great and i love like hilarious historical irony it would be so great if there was like a gajillion different conspiracies to kill jfk but none of them managed to pull it off but it was just like this crazy oswald kid who had read read too many fucking james bond novels and 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 uh uh had a well-worn copy of uh of Karl Marx, he's the guy that pulled it off. This dipshit drinking Dr. Pepper up in a bookstore. Yeah, I see. I, <laughs> I, I, I gotta pull. See, my thing, my perspective is that that is sort of letting so many people off the hook. Off the hook, because because yeah, because look, like one, who puts Oswald in the book depository? Right. Well, that's the Payne family. The Payne family has connections right back to the intelligence, military, industrial complex. Yes. yes. So, who's who connects Oswald with the Payne family? George de Morenshield, who has Mike intelligence, Russian. who has intelligence connections, and who specifically is directly connected to George H. W. Bush. And when he is, they're in the same oil sort of um, milieu there. And when he is suicided, they find Poppy Bush's numbers in his in his personal yep. effects. And I never I, I never found this. I, I listened to it once, but I heard someone say that like there's like a recording of when uh, Tim supposedly like kills himself. Um, yeah, because like, Bill O'Reilly was there. Or an audio recording, but that what you hear in addition to the gunshot, like right before the gunshot, like thirty seconds before, is you hear his like security system indicating like a door is opened um this is something that i like heard of and i can't i haven't been able to re re uh, trace but like demoran shield is directing oswald to pains who completely like fuck him over and like yeah i can't i guess he just took advantage of his moment when the kennedy like these interviews with the pains just throwing under the bus suddenly there's this evidence in the pains garage which has got like I think that's where they found like the, the camera, the camera, and like the fucked up picture where they put his face on, like mm-hmm. the, the gun. Backyard photos, right? I've been in that backyard. There's a, there's a, there was an old guy in a wheelchair. The I, I remember the I came in and the 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 I was like, can I take a picture of the backyard? She's like ten dollars, and I was like, here's twenty. <laughs> there's an old man in a fucking. <laughs> there's an old man in a wheelchair, and he's like. <laughs> reaching out to me you know trying to say something to me and i'm like oh man does this guy know the whole history of the kennedy assassination he's trying to reveal it to me but he had a stroke and he can't well let me let me try and just drop a couple more nuggets just in case because i don't want to let these guys off the hook at all they're all evil bastards and that's why i'm trying to say there's all these guys were definitely wanting to get rid of kennedy yeah well i mean like okay the House Select Committee on Assassinations, they're trying to get documents, okay? Mm-hmm. And and they they get issued this dude by the CIA to be their liaison. You know about this? George Joannidis. And he's a hack, man. He was a stall, he was it was stall tactics. They used Gianidis to 
to to basically run out the clock because they knew the CIA is never going to run out of money. They'll be around till the fucking nation falls, but the House Select's going to run out of money. Here's the, the thing. The, yeah. Well, like, like, yeah, maybe they could be stalling for all kinds of reasons, but yeah. it's just like appointing Bush to run the CIA right before the House Select Committee. They're right. putting in members of the secret team to, to use a phrase from uh, Fletcher Prouty, Mm-hmm. To preserve the cover-up. So Joe Anides is like supposedly a liaison to the investigators, and he is supposedly coming out of retirement and has no affiliation with things, when in actuality, it turns out he was like running the DRE Cubans out of JM Wave, which was the Miami substation, where a mm-hmm. bunch of these guys um, who were in the CIA, who were involved in the Bay of Pigs, and who ended up getting turned on Kennedy, in my opinion, were there. So he wasn't just stonewalling for the agency. He was brought in as the dude to like maintain the cover up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a couple things I just want to drop. Okay. Mm-hmm. Familiar faces in Dealey Plaza. There's, there's photographs of like Rip Robertson um, and another CIA guy just like standing near Houston and Elm watching like on the side of the street, as if they're like the CIA dudes who just came to watch the big event. Um, there's also a, a disputed photograph of Joseph Miltier, the right winger who said- That's what in, I was just talking about, yeah. Yeah, in the summer- Kennedy's a mocked man. Right, and he specifically says like, not just that he's going to be shot from a, a, a building with a rifle, but also they're going to pick somebody up pick in 24 up hours hour. yeah. and, uh, and pin it on him. Um, Don Adams is this FBI agent who was tracking that case. If you look up uh, interviews mm-hmm. of Don Adams, that's really interesting because he talks yeah, a lot about that was his informant, right? Who got the tape? Absolutely, and he talks about like being like the FBI guys like watching the Zapruder films and like like being shown it. Like he, I would look up Don Adams if you haven't. Uh, I'm talking to the understood people in the the back, but let me just double back to. Ed Lansdale, because he's a huge name that um, he is a psychological warfare operations, CIA officer, a agent, contractor, whatever, Mm -hmm. who is under official cover as an Air Force general. And that is like people don't understand that kind of thing. They don't think it's like far fetched. I think I would encourage you to read Fletcher Prouty, the secret team. Fletcher Prouty is the man who was in, who inspired the Donald Sutherland, Mr. X character. and the JFK. Oliver they couldn't Stone. make it Fletcher for the same reason why in the movie, when he asks Fletcher to, or asked X to, to testify, he's like, are you crazy? No. But Fletcher Prouty, uh, you know, he, he wrote a lot of interesting books. And if you really want to know the sort of mechanics of the para, the, the CIA's para, uh, paramilitary uh, capabilities during this period, Fletcher Prouty's your guy, you know? So, yeah, yeah. And, and Fletcher worked directly beside Lansdale mm-hmm. and Lansdale was the mastermind behind the CIA coups in uh, the Philippines and uh, Vietnam and uh, one more that's that's uh, eluding me. He uh, he may have been involved. In the, 
He may have been involved in that one, but I think it's like a South American one that I okay. think that I'm not remembering. Oh, I think uh, Guatemala. Did you say that one already? No, I didn't. That could be it. Um, that was the one where I think they used the radio to sort of like uh, they sort of pulled like a reverse Orson Welles to like use the use the radio broadcast to convince people that, that the country had been taken over. I mean, he was a master of manipulating he, stuff. He like is that. super gen- super evil genius. And I mean, there's one where he talks like he convinced some like, you know, country or sort of rural group that they were like blood sucking vampires that were like he tapped into <laughs> one of their like their lore and then like like left like people dead but like like fucked up on the side of the road to like get in their heads um this dude if anyone is capable alongside alan dulles and uh 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 james jesus angleton Mm -hmm. so you have you have like in the you have dulles angleton helms um in the cia Helms, yeah yeah later took over the cia and was which fighting in front of the house could select which is preserving the part of the cover-up yeah exactly <laughs> so like and angleton goes and rushes to get the diary of mary meyer the wife of cord meyer jr implicated by e howard hunt when she's mm-hmm. shot in the back of the head uh uh ben bradley of the washington post runs to her house to get her diary and who does he see there uh james jiggles jesus angleton's there um to get her diary but what I'm saying is like that's basically like the cigarette smoking man from the X Files being yes in house. yes absolutely I mean he the cigarette smoking guy from the X Files if you want to know who any of these guys are it's it's him you know he's sort of like the combination of all of these guys the Atlee Phillips and the the Angletons the kind of all thrown together but because yeah. these were real these guys were doing this and that's why I don't want to let anyone off the hook. I mean, well, we were running a crack murder squad in collaboration with American big business and the mob. It's disgusting. Well, and 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 uh, and to just connect it back to Fletcher and yes. and Lansdale, and I, I agree with everything you're saying, right? So, well, Lansdale, uh, if he would be involved in this, because he's like a mastermind of assassinations and coups in other mm-hmm. countries. Yep. Like if you took the brain power of Alan Dulles, who was fired by Kennedy just in a year ish beforehand, uh, the brother of the mayor of Dallas, who was fired by Kennedy a year beforehand, another CIA guy. Mm-hmm. If you imagine them teaming up with, say, Lansdale and, uh, and James Jesus Angleton, who was prob- in all likelihood – the granddaddy behind the fake defector program that Oswald was probably a part of, which was a military operation to dangle people and uh, try and get information. Yeah. They were um, doing the Russians were doing the same to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just saying like Oswald is, a, is he's a faux defector, which explains a lot of this communist stuff. And a lot of this, why he's hanging out with Bannister at five thirty three camp. Yeah. Yeah. And why he's like handing out flyers, which is just to see who will take the flyers Hands to try off and Cuba pisses off Carlos Bernier. They fight They're go on the radio or whatever. Right. Which is like all kind of a show and it's all just sheep dipping him as they would say. Right. That's um, what Garrison says. Right. And I, and I think Jim Garrison was onto it. And I think like Jim Garrison was much maligned, but actually was hot on the trail. And, and like that Oswald was being handled by Clay Shaw Bertrand in new Orleans and then Atlee Phillips on a larger scale. And I think like, it's possible that Oswald may have had some sort of reporting to, um, the FBI and or up to Bobby, which might've been one reason why Bobby tweaked out is because he might've like known about Oswald in some way. 
as some sort of an infiltrator. I'm well, not sure. what was up. I mean, th- that's the thing. If you, you know, uh, Gus Rousseau's uh, uh, Live by the Sword is a good book about this, about what hardball the Kennedys were playing in Latin America trying to whack the beard. And what Bobby, it's like not quite on record, but basically what we've reconstructed, Bobby's belief was that the the um, executive actions that we were taking in Latin America basically blew back on us and killed Kennedy, killed his brother. But, um, but what you're saying is that it's one step further, that they're basically just saying, well, we got this template that we've been using to, to topple uh, uh, um, administrations in other countries. Well, let's just fucking do it in Dallas. Yeah, or, you know, yeah. let's do it in Chicago and Miami. We'll see which one plays out. It's not, it's not Cuba responding, right? It's exactly what you're, and, and that's, that's like, to your point earlier about LBJ saying it's like a foreign intrigue, I think that's part of the cover story. Like, I think part of the cover story is... Put it on someone else's doorstep. Well, the cover story is it's Russia, right? It's Russia slash Cuba, which are both aligned in this, like, anti-American, quote, communist thing. And that's why that's why they use Oswald, because of his Russian defection. Like, mm-hmm. that's why they have all these fucking anti-Castro Cubans running around Dealey Plaza... Like the yeah. two guys with the radios, and, and no doubt some people involved in. Um, I mean, you're saying you know there's so many things, but like we're talking about like multiple attack teams, right? I think there is always layers, and you have layers uh, in any intelligence operation. That's why you, if one layer gets blown, you have all these protective layers, and so I think it's absolutely possible that you know Lansdale and Dulles and and even and with the people with the consent and logistical support of people like Lyman Limitzer and Curtis LeMay and the DOD. Ugh, don't get me started about Curtis LeMay, Jesus Christ. But like they And incidentally like, all these guys end up being involved in Area 51 too. Well because it because stuff. Well it's all it's all it's all it's part all connected. Of it. Because Kennedy, of course, like had the, there's like the somewhat disputed doc that Kennedy had agreed to go to the moon with the Russians and to share space and to there's like a 10 day before the assassination doc where it says like he had agreed to essentially go to the moon with the Russians and share space, which would end a lot of the Cold War. Right. They they thought Kennedy was a communist and they thought killing him was actually in the best interest of America. And they turned it into like an actual uh, using the forces of the CIA and the military, and I would just direct us to like Operation Northwoods, which was what like LeMay and Lemonster was trying to get Kennedy to do, which is a huge false flag against Cuba yeah. that uh, he didn't agree to, but it shows you the links that they were willing to go to to achieve their geopolitical goals. Well, thanks for joining, folks. Um, we're having such a good time talking with John Darden that we're going to actually break this up into two episodes, and we'll be right back with the big event, part two, featuring John Darden. Have a good one, folks. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>